listening to Downworlder Dish, a Shadowhunter Chronicles podcast. Hello and welcome to a very special bonus episode of Downworlder Dish. I'm Kristen. I'm Robin. And that's all. And there's no Amanda. <laughs> Unfortunately, Amanda is not uh, as far as we are in the Shadowhunter Chronicles. And so she could not be with us for this very special bonus episode, but she's like totally okay with it. She's doing way more fun stuff. Yes. And listen, I'm gonna, we're going to say this a couple times before we get in. This is a spoiler warning. Yes. This is a very spoilery episode. So I guess you're probably wondering what it's about. I'm sure the title that we come up with will be very descriptive, but <laughs> we are very excited for the release of Chain of Iron that comes out this Tuesday, the 2nd of March. I've got my pre-order. I pre-ordered first edition hardback. I'm going to have to wait a couple days for it to get to me because they don't ship it until release day. So I'm a little bit bummed. I'm probably going to buy it online, like on digital. You're going to buy it yeah. on Audible as well. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> Yeah, I own most of the Shadowhunter Chronicles in all three formats. <laughs> Why not? But I'm redoing. I'm buying everything on Kindle now yeah. because I, um, I it's yeah. easier access. Yeah, and I'm stocking up on my uh, hardback co- collection because that I find easier when I'm writing my scripts and stuff. But it's it's funny. Oh, see, I'm opposite. Isn't that weird though? That it just that you know. Yeah. Currently, Clockwork Angel is under my laptop so I can prop it up higher because it needs to be down here so I remember. Mm-hmm. I, mine's on my couch because I was in. laying on the couch reading. <laughs> mm-hmm. But um, anyway, so we're so excited for Chain of Iron. We wanted to gab about our like crackpot theories and things that we've heard or things that we hope will happen um, and kind of talk a little bit about Chain of Gold because Robin just finished it. Um, and legitimately like two hours ago, we were like, we need to do this now. (laughs) And, um, we're still like probably like four or five years away from getting to this on the podcast. So I feel like we're safe to talk about it right now. And it's not going to be like double duty or anything when the time comes. (laughs) Right. We won't go as in depth as we would on like our book recap episode, but, but I do want to talk about the character. I have to. Yeah. So why don't we just jump into it? Robin, because she literally just finished it, she's going to kind of uh, do a small, high level uh, Robin's recap. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Last chance to turn this off. Yes. Spoiler warning. We are not holding anything back. So from much. Any of the books that we read. So even if you've yeah. read chain of gold and haven't read some of the other dark artifices or anything market like we're spoiling things so just you have been warned yeah except um we neither of us have read the bane chronicles so if some of the stupid shit we're asking questions are in that book that's why we sound dumb but apart from that (laughs) okay so chain of gold Opens with uh, James Herondale, which is Tessa and Will. No, yeah, I almost said William. <laughs> I don't know why. 
In case you didn't know, that's why Robin named her son William. No. <laughs> it's it's definitely not. not. Stop, please. He found a recorder <laughs> of all times for him to find a recorder. <laughs> okay, all done, please. Thank you. Okay, I almost said William because my kid's name is William, who found a recorder right now when we're trying to record. Wrong recorder. Anyway, so opens up with um, him and some of his friends. They're fighting a demon in mm-hmm. London, which is strange for them because demon activity has been like having a hiatus since the clockwork war. Right. So. Which is. Yeah. Our, the last, when we left our peeps, their great war apparently demons have like just been like not around mm-hmm. they're like yeah we got our asses kicked let's take a little reprieve right. and um chain of gold is set in 1903 mm-hmm. yes right 1903 mm-hmm. london and i'm having a hard time imagining all these like beautiful hairstyles and stuff they're talking about and i was trying to google it but i listened to the audio version not read the book so i couldn't figure out how to spell I can't figure out how to spell some of the hairstyles. Anyway. Okay. So, anyway. They go back. They're at this place called the Devil's Tavern, which is their, like, getaway slash hangout. I want to know how they afford the rent there when none of them are probably old enough to make an earning from the clave. Or do you get to make an earning when you're 16? Tell me. I don't know. But at this point in history, with the way that, like, society was and stuff like they all came from wealthy families so I don't I I think that they had pocket change and maybe they had resources that like maybe your modern teenager wouldn't have I feel like because they were like adults younger like quote I'm using quotes Mm -hmm. you can't see me obviously and I know because I, I I okay Again, I binged yeah. this book like two or three days. It was over. So some of the details come I together. But I know Matthew was 17. Yeah. But I also. OK, because it's been a minute since I read I read Chain of Gold. Um, but I want to say they explained something like like how they got the room and like it was like a trade or something. I cannot remember, but I feel like it might have been explained but like in in a passing sort I gotcha. of like oh this is obviously why kind of a thing. I gotcha. Regardless, they have this room and it's where they all hang out it's so that house. way they can like have their own space, get away from their the rent. Yeah. <laughs> if you will, and um, live their bohemian they, lifestyles. <laughs> yes, exactly. So they've branded themselves um, trademark pending. Yes. The Merry Thieves, and that's James Herondale, which we've already explained, and it's. Thomas Lightwood, mm-hmm. which is Sophie and Gideon's son. Yes. And um, Christopher. Yes. Lightwood. Lightwood. Who is and Cecily and Gabriel's son. They're and Cecily son. is Will's sister. Yes. Correct? Yes, 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 yes. Okay. Sorry. It took me. No, it's okay. I'm just, I'm trying to get everything together. And then Matthew Fairchild, which is Charlotte and Henry's son. Mm-hmm. And um, they all, again, Mary Thieves are all there. And also in their little group, although not in that same, like, I'm going to use the word guild, mm-hmm. is Anna Lightwood, who's Christopher's sister. Right. His older sister. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, she's, and she's she's older than them. So she's not really in their group. She's like, she's the cool older cousin. Right. But she's, you know, a 
starring character, if you will. Yes. Although, in my opinion, she's not in the book enough. So that's like she's anyway not because she's the best character. Oh my god, I love her so much. I have I the do. biggest girl boner for Anna Lightwood. I can't <laughs> even. Well, and then we also have Lucy Herondale, who is James's younger sister. Yes. Yeah. Anyway, and then Matthew and James are parabrotai. Parabrotas. Yes. So basically, James, when he's fighting this demon, he starts to go into what he explains as the shadow world. Mm Mm-hmm. Which is where he's able to, like, his mind goes somewhere else entirely. And his body stays there, like, all fuzzy. And he starts to, like, blur around the edges. And he... The way I... The way I've, like, pictured it in my head is, like, um, parallel universe. You know how they explain parallel universes to, like, children? Where it's, like, layers of paper and you, like, puncture the paper and go into another paper. So it's, like... The infinite possibilities of the world. So, like, every choice has creates its own possibility and that kind of, like, mind-blowing crap. So that's what I, I always – it's, like, an alternate dimension he gets thrown into because it's, like, it's still the same place, but it's in a different environment. It's the upside-down place, basically. Exactly. <laughs> In this moment, mm-hmm. and I think, and so he also reflects on this one time he was able to make himself completely incorporeal. Uh huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Be- and go through a wall. Right. And then, well, because we learned about this in Ghost of the Shadow Market when they were at the academy before they got expelled, which, oh my God, is just my favorite. <laughs> I love it so much. And Will's like, well, we better be going. Like, <laughs> It's. I love how Will is such a co-conspirator with his children. Like, I just... There's a point at the end of Chain of Gold where they say basically, like, it's Cordelia's dancing with Will. Mm -hmm. And she's. he says something about, like, dancing with an old man. Mm -hmm. And she thinks to herself, like, although Jim and Tessa haven't physically aged... Mm -hmm. Like, they are way more, like, Will is more of, like, her, like, a child yeah. than he is. Yeah. And, and that, she didn't use the word child, but she's, like, that, like, sort of, you know, that smirky, like, conspirator thing, yeah. like you were saying. He's it's still, funny. He still has that childlike quality about his personality where he's not as serious as most of the adults. He can turn it on when it needs to be, but for the most part, he doesn't want to live in that space. And that is something that I think she did so well when she aged him up because she could have made him a stick in the mud and kind of like a only fun at home kind of dad. But that's just not who Will is. And so getting to see him and see that personality really feel authentic as an adult version was just like chef's kiss. Beautiful. I loved it. Beautiful. I wish that, um, okay, so reading Ghost of the Shadow Market before this was great advice. Yeah. So I'm glad oh, that I'm I like, did that. I'm like, obviously, yes, patting myself on the back. Because <laughs> well, I was thinking of skipping it. I was like, I just want to read Chain of Gold. Mm-hmm. I want to get into it. I'm going to skip it. But you really recommended it. I'm glad you did. And obviously, we get to see Tessa as a point of view character mm-hmm. in those stories. So 
I we get that part of her, but I was kind of sad that she didn't have like a first person voice, and neither did Will. Yeah. Although I know it's not about them, right? They but had even to, like, just like separate it. Well, and remember in City of Bones where he just had that little tiny like Jace, just yeah. that little bit of the beginning of Jace chapter. Yeah. And we were like happy go lucky. Like I wish we would have had that with Will and or Tessa. Right. Like one flashback or, or like. Not flashback, but like one flash over to their point of view to like see what are the parents doing right now? Because in so many YA, especially YA fantasy, it's like the parents are nowhere. They have no, and we know Tessa and Will as Mm -hmm. as they were younger. So we know that they're going to be like, what the fuck are our kids doing right now? Because what we were doing at their age was, you know, starting a war. (laughs) A little bit. Right. Just a smidge. There's some shit going down. Like, my first reaction as Will would be like, it's our kids. Where are they? Like, I smell danger. Right. Our little shits are out here. It's too quiet. <laughs> I haven't heard something. Which, okay, obviously this, this recap is going to be really long because I... Who cares? So I'm, I'm going to try to shorten it because I'm literally going to every single detail. Anyway... We're in Lucy's point of view at the beginning of the book. And she talks about how when um, they used to visit Harrodale Manor out in Idris, Mm -hmm. she got lost in the woods. And then this like fairy child, she didn't, changeling is what she called him. Yeah. Saved her from a fairy trap. Yeah. And she talks about that. We find out later that it's Jesse Blackthorn, who is Grace Blackthorn's, Blackthorn's adoptive brother. Um, yeah, so he is really a Blackthorn. So remember in the end of, uh, I can't remember, what, it, it's in TID, when um, Benedict turns into the worm and he eats Tatiana's husband, Tatiana at that point is pregnant with Jesse. And then I gotcha. Grace, after, like, obviously her husband died or whatever, Grace, she, like, adopted took it's her ward but she like gave Uh her the last name blackthorn but grace was a cartwright and she's so it's it's his her adopted yeah Yeah. tatiana's son and he he ended up um he got killed yeah he he died so what we know is that like when his marks i i believe i'm i this could be tim completely me making it up but i'm pretty sure i remember his first marks, like, he, he didn't do very well. Like, he got yeah, really, really sick. Yeah, he was sick. a sickly child. Yeah, and then he got really, and really he... sick. And so she used, like, dark magic to, like, basically preserve him. His last breath. Yeah, so she has his last breath that he wears around his neck. And, like, it allows him to be a ghost. And he's not fully, like, dead. Like, they have his body in, like, a Sebastian-esque casket is what I'm thinking. Yeah, they they called it a Snow White casket. Yeah. It um, reminds he, me exactly of like what happened with Sebastian when Lilith yeah. did all that. And so the only people that can see Jesse are Tatiana and Grace. And for some reason, which we I, I don't have to say some reason because no, no. it's a book. Lucy can see him right. because her like demon power is like able to like control ghosts. Right. right. So so we we knew that like the Herondales, some Herondales had like that ability or whatever with with Will, but now Lucy's like it's like hyper 
like it, it, it's almost like Tessa's warlock blood, like supercharged what was already there. Well, yeah, because she was saying basically like all Herondale see ghosts. It's not weird right. that I'm seeing a ghost. But um, because so we also were introduced to reintroduced to Alistair Carstairs. Mm-hmm. Who is, um, we met in, at the Shadowhunter Academy. Uh-huh. And he was a giant butthole. He was. He was such a dick for just dick's sake. Yeah. He was an angsty teen. Yeah. And we're introduced to his younger sister, whose name is Cordelia. Oh, yeah. And sh- they are half Persian. Correct. So they all, which I'm really trying to, like, I was Googling, not obviously too in-depth because I didn't want to spoil anything for right. myself. I was trying to imagine how Cordelia looks. So. Because she has red hair, obviously, right. which is natural. And then I'm trying to, and I, it does not matter. Mm-hmm. But I want to see her, to, like, her skin tone and, like. Yeah. Let me send you, I have a pic. So. Okay. I got your picture of Cordelia. Okay. Here's another one. This is the, like, most popular fan cast. Mm, okay. Okay, so, Cordelia. So, they they use the terminology, like, Persian, because that's, back then, that's what it was called. But, like, so she was, from the information that I've found, she was born in Tehran, which is in Iran. Like, current day, modern which, day Iran. At the end of Chain of Gold, Cassandra Clare puts a note in about, like, the language and stuff. Right. And that's what she said exactly that. Yeah. So. So she is moving from. Her childhood was spent, like, on the move, basically. Because her dad was, quote, sick. And they were always trying to find a climate that was suitable for him. Which is such a fucking 1800s thing. Right. By the way. Right. Like, we're going to leech him. Yeah. And then move around a lot. Yeah. So funny. <laughs> And so we find out in her life that he's imprisoned by the clave and he's uh, locked away in Idris because he like, it was like a vampire raid gone wrong. Mm-hmm. Right? Vampire raid or just a demon raid. It was a demon raid gone wrong. Yeah, I can't and remember. And they ended up taking wolves into vampire territory and they were like, the fuck? Yeah, it was like a big So he got fuck. arrested. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so her mission is that she needs to free her dad's name. Her mom's worried about basically her bad rep, their bad repute, their family name, their family reputation. Mm-hmm. So they're decided to pack up their stuff, move to London. And like, I just imagine it like when you have um, debutantes coming out. Yes. Like, like Bridgerton. Into society. Like yes, Bridgerton. I've never seen, I haven't seen that yet, but I'm thinking of Downton, Downton Abbey. Okay. I'm sidebar. You will I know. love Bridgerton. I, I know. This I was telling Amanda's like, I can't wait for you to read this book. It's like Downton Abbey meets Shadow Hunters. It's mm-hmm. great. Anyway, she um so her mom, her brother, and then their like house person handmaiden? Something Hand, like, like that. Uh, like she's basically like what, mom's assistant, but like also so they um the she's like her lady's maid yeah but then she has to do other stuff too she has to cook and well she doesn't have to but she cooks and she answers the door so she's acting like a butler and a maid and a lady's maid yeah. so this lady is overworked she is by the way where's Osha? and they end up which I thought was funny they like took the piano with them anyway <laughs> they come to London they live there because she wants Cordelia to marry into Shadowhunter family that has like 
money and a title and so that way she can yeah so she can erase the like the sins of her father right and we find out that cordelia is like in love with james who she's been in love with since they were like 13 right. and he got sick because cordelia to him. yeah because cordelia and lucy are like bit like premier status biffles and yeah they're going to be para bro tie yes and it's gonna be amazing and And lucy's very excited (laughs) right so the the whole thing is like they're coming to london so that way like the tense is they need to train together if they're going to become para bro tie Mm -hmm. so this is i'll stop getting so into it basically cordelia shows up they meet everybody. We find out that she's in love with James, and James is in love with Grace Blackthorne. And everyone's who, like, wait, like, what? Exactly. <laughs> so apparently she's been, like, trapped away in a tower, like, think Rapunzel status. Her Tatiana, her Tatiana, doesn't say her mom, but she calls her mom, is a crazy psycho lady. Oh, yeah. she's just like, her, her kid died, her husband died, fuck the clave. Yeah. So she's not going to let her talk to anybody or do anything. Cordelia doesn't really have friends apart from the Harrendales because they've spent all this time traveling. So the only people she knows are Lucy and James. But she comes to, like, basically she fits in really well with their friend group. Mm -hmm. Um, Cordelia is very brave. She takes big risks. She has a big heart. She cares about her friends. And she's an awesome character to be in a first-person point of view. It's Um, so interesting with Cordelia, I feel like she's the perfect combination of Clary, Tessa, and Emma. Like, like she's really is, like, equal parts, all three of them. Like, she's just yeah. as smart and well-studied and witty as Tessa. She's just as brave and, like, like loving and caring as Clary is. And just as, like, much of a badass as Emma is. And loyal as Emma. Yeah. It's just it's such Emma's an very interesting, loyal. Like, she she literally just took the best parts of all three of them, and she's like, "That's fucking Cordelia," because she's a right. bamf. <laughs> I always imagine like because I was trying to figure out the time that like how old would Cordelia be when Emma was born? Like if she was, like how great would that be if they could just like, oh, this is my great grandma, and we're gonna have a conversation about being badass bitches, right? Yeah, like she would have, she'd be like 115, <laughs> right? It would have been cool. Anyway, demons start attacking out of fucking nowhere, and they're like super smart demons. Like they're weird. They can come in the sunlight. They're not attacking mundanes. They're specifically like honing in on shadow hunters. And it comes to find out that Belial, who is a prince of hell who also happens to be James and Lucy's grandfather, is, like, pulling the strings, sending the demons, infecting people. Um, They're getting – the demon poison is, like, way worse. Um, Barbara, who is Thomas's older sister, ends up dying. R.I.P. And her um, betrothed Mm -hmm. also ends up dying. Um, Christopher gets sick. Um, Tatiana gets sick on this demon poisoning. They're all like and they, underground. And then like once they're infected, they can infect somebody else. It's like zombie shit. Yeah. Uh-huh. And so they're they're put to sleep in the silent city. Mm-hmm. Can we just take and, a minute? Uh, I'm sorry. I this is gonna be like so much of me just being like, can we hold on? <laughs> can we talk about Christopher Lightwood? What are your thoughts? Uh, yes. 
So I am mixing Chris. I don't remember much of Christopher's story from when they're at Shadowhunter Academy. There really isn't much to it. He's just. Except that he like blows shit up, right? (laughs) He blows shit up and like forgets where he is all the time. (laughs) Right. And so then I'm also like imagining there's a story in Ghost of the Shadow Market that's in Anna Lightwood's point of view. Mm -hmm. And she's like putting on Christopher's clothes and stuff Mm -hmm. because she's a fucking badass. Mm -hmm. Anyway. Um, and to me, it seems like I always get this with Christopher. He's so, he seems very kind Mm -hmm. and just like this, like wily inventor. Like I just, I want to be friends. Right. He's a, he's a more innocent Henry. And, Uh and we haven't, we're just gonna about to get into TID in the regular podcast. And so we haven't gotten into this, but like Henry is the love of my life. I love him. He's on par with Alec. Like they're, they're the love that I have for Henry and his perfection is just everything. (laughs) I love him. And it's his little protege. Oh. It's funny as you get like things change, you know. Obviously, like I like, I really like Will, mm-hmm. and even I like Will now. Yeah, I guess but. I guess Henry is definitely more. It sh- I should compare him more to Luke because he is like I, the I, adult. that's what I was just gonna say. Yep, but he's just he's so endearing and sweet and lovable. Yeah, I love the absent-minded okay, scientist. I'm- I know. Okay, I'm going to push through okay, the sorry. rest of this so that way we can dish about the characters yeah. and just have a moment with each of them. <laughs> okay. Okay, basically, I think the underlying, Belial wants James to, like, join the dark side. They have cookies. And he doesn't want to. Right. Yeah, he, he, because, wants, he wants, because he wants to get James's permission to possess him so he can walk among the mortals. Humans. Yeah. And... Um, he has to be like he's like a vampire it needs to be like let in or something I guess I don't know but James is like no dice motherfucker and then Cordelia so while this is happening they're in the shadow world which is Belial's world Mm -hmm. and Cordelia comes in with Cortana and is like you know what fuck you (laughs) and she stabs him she's like Cortana can cut through anything bitch (laughs) bitch cut through your your ass, and now your ass what and so um anyway the world is that shadow world is gone Me, while christopher is sleeping um before he got why sleeping mm-hmm. my ear quotes before he got po- 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 poisoned <laughs> he was making an antidote to like the demon disease venom whatever that was spreading and they just needed one more thing so thomas and lucy went and got it and thomas was able to complete the antidote and administer it to people. So um, we can't go too okay. nitty gritty uh, you're right. into it. You're right. I'm just. I could explain this book for three hours. Charles motherfucking Buford, you son of a bitch. We're, we're going to spend time with each of the main characters, okay. I think. And then we can just very quickly, like, go through. Anyway, they think everything's happy, go lucky, good, everything's fine. And then along comes the snatch of a person, Grace Blackthorn, and entraps James again with this stupid fucking bracelet that I knew from the beginning. Right. By the way, 
uh-huh. was bullshit. And then it's somehow her mom is convincing her that it's keeping Jesse alive. Mm-hmm. But in reality, it's tying him to Belial. What the fuck? I don't remember that part. What? It's in the epilogue. So it's like basically the okay. b- the bracelet was from Belial. Oh, right. right. She okay. gives it to. And she's like, um, I was like basically grooming him for you to like take his soul over. Mm-hmm. And then he's like, yeah, right, bitch. When he came down there, he wasn't wearing the fucking bracelet I gave you. Right. Right. And then she told Grace that it was to keep Jesse alive. So Jesse, she's basically Grace is basically pretending she's in love with. James, because I don't think she actually loves him. No. I'm going to say that. No. I don't think she does. Well, and she's been doing this. Like, she, she's playing the long con here. Like, she's yeah, been setting exactly. this shit up for a long years. Mm-hmm. So then um, she comes over and sends him on this last mission. Like, look, my mom's fucking gray gray. Go back to Idris. Destroy this, like, automaton that's enchanted t- to, like, rise up and kill shadow hunters after she dies and she's gonna kill herself tonight so it's which never happened Mm -hmm. fucking whatever and destroy all the evidence that would implicate my family in wrongdoing like dark magic and necromancy go kill her well and so basically he cuts down the clockwork whatever the not clockwork the automaton then like it's ashes light the house on fire right so he didn't even he he didn't start the fire And then Matthew and Cordelia are, like, tasked to be left behind. And then Cordelia's like, fuck that. Right. Like, I'm not a sideline bitch, okay? And so they go through the portal. She's like, I'm and a show starter. Up there. <laughs> right. And anyway, so the whole conclave, enclave, whatever, is yeah. meeting. And Tatiana's like, dude, my house fucking burned down and he did it. Grace told me he did it. And so then Will's, like, all TO'd, of course. And... Grace is totally going to spill the beans. Mm -hmm. She is. And Cordelia steps up and he's like, no, that didn't happen. Because guess what? We was knocking boots all night long. What? Wait, so you think think Grace was going to tell the truth? I do. I totally do. Really? What else was she going to say? Oh, I thought she was going to back up Tatiana. That's what I meant to, to say that James was there. Oh, oh, okay. Because they were saying like James went through Tatiana saying he burned my house down. He was there. Grace said so. And I think she, that was the truth. And I think she was going to say the truth. Okay. 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 Yeah. I think she was going to throw him under the bus. Boop, boop. I, yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. Anyway. Yeah. So regardless, um, James thinks that he has to propose to Cordelia well, I, I don't. So that way she can like, I don't clear he, her reputation. Yeah, I don't think he like he's like, oh, I think I have to do this. I think he's like, oh, shit. She just saved my ass. I need to save her ass in return. Right. And the thing that I think is so annoying. And I as I was listening, all I could hear was your fucking voice going <laughs> plot, plot, <laughs> plot. Because if either one of them just said, you know what? I was just kidding. I really do love you. Right. There wouldn't be conflict. And then why can't Cordelia be like, okay, cool. But he's still wearing you the bracelet. You can marry me. Is he still wearing the bracelet? But take off the fucking bracelet. Right. But he doesn't like, know. I, yeah. But the thing is, it's like if I was, he's saying basically, I'm going to devote this year of my life to you. Mm-hmm. Wholeheartedly. And he even told Grace to back the fuck up so he could do this. Cordelia is a good person. Mm-hmm. So if that's the case, it's like, 
okay, cool, but don't wear your wedding ring. Like, don't wear your basically right. Your take off the bracelet. Your betrothment gift. Yeah, and then everything would be fine. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, that is like there's a bunch of subplots and little textures and stuff in it, but we're already like 35 minutes in, so we can't like yeah go too much further. That's the big arc. Yes. Okay. Now, I don't know why I'm taking over. No, I love I'm it. I to. love it. I'm so excited. I'm just like okay, burning. <laughs> so, well, the main characters I think we'll talk about are James, mm-hmm. Thomas, Christopher, Lucy, mm-hmm. Anna, Matthew, Cordelia, and Alistair. Yeah, and Charles. Ugh. And just like yeah, quick quips on each yes. of them. So, starting with James. Uh-huh. James. You know, I'm still, like, I think the jury is still out for me on James. He seems, I think because he's been under the control of the bracelet, his personality feels a little bit flat to me. Like, I don't, almost like, like he's on, like, medication or something. You know what I mean? Like, he just doesn't seem fully alive. Yeah, I agree with that. Okay, and then um, what do you want to happen with his character in Chain of Iron? I want him to... And then what do you think is going to happen? Or And then what do you want? Okay. Or if they're different. Okay, okay. So what I, I want to happen is I want him to stop wearing the goddamn bracelet. And I want... Hallelujah. I want him to, like, have an epic, like, takedown of Grace and just be, like, like... Just, like, tell her off and be like, I know what you've been doing. You're trifling. Get out of my face. Okay, so obviously not. I agree with everything you're saying, so I'm just going to, like, pop in really quick. The only, like, icing, like, this little, like, that I have is at the very end. Mm -hmm. Our baby, Mm -hmm. Magnus, is like, shit ain't right. Going to get Chairman Meow over here. And I think he's going to sniff out the dark magic in the bracelet. I think so, too. I think you're right. I think Magnus is going to be our, like, yeah, our baby hero, like always. Yeah. And by baby, I mean, like, he's my baby, not like right. he's a child. No, like, he's the best. Like, I have so many loves of my life, but Magnus is at the top. Everyone knows this. I love that he's wearing, like, a ruby encrusted, like, waistcoat with, like, matching earrings. I know. Like... Okay. Like, well, and can I just say, I'm very harsh on narrators, and I really, really love the lady that did Chain of Gold, and she's also doing Chain of Iron, mm-hmm, so I'm excited. Mm-hmm. You, yeah, you are very harsh on narrators, so I'm glad you like I this am. one. Especially because, like... She's got... I don't like her, like, American Magnus Bane accent that she does, uh-huh. but apart from that, I'm okay with it. Yeah. <sighs> Anything else yes, about yes, James? Yes, So, So that, that's what I hope for, but what, what I think is going to happen is I, I think we're going to get a lot of James and Cordelia back and forth. You know, that love triangle portion, like, you know, James, Peace. Cordelia, and and Grace, and, like, him kind of, like, figuring out his feelings and whatever. I think we're going to resolve the brace bracelet gate, I think, is going to be resolved in Chain of Iron. 
Um, I don't, I just, I just don't see that as being like a through plot point through three books. Like, I feel like it's too It'd be hard to drag it out. Yeah. Yeah. And James's relationship with Matthew, I have some feelings. I feel like it's going to be really strained this next Mm -hmm. book. And part of the reason is because of Grace and part of the reason is because of Matthew's issues of you know alcoholism and his feelings towards Cordelia who he knows that this is a sham and this is like like basically they're play acting but he also knows uh-huh. that Cord- Cordelia loves James and that James is like in some kind of weird shit with Grace so Matthew is really the only one other than James and Cordelia who are who is fully in on what's going on you know, right. and I think that that's going to be an issue for Matthew because I think Matthew is going to be like, look, Cordelia doesn't deserve this. And that's going to cause tension between the two of them. Right. So let's pop into Matthew. OK. Oh, since we're like kind of already there. So OK. Listen, I have issues loving people that have issues. So I love <laughs> Matthew. Dude. Bring me your damaged and emotionally, like, fucked up. I will take them in. Right? And hug them. I think that I'm a little bit disappointed in Jim. Although not really. Because I know Jim is not Jim anymore. Jim is, like, Jim with, like, layers of silent brother on top. Right. But he knows what happened with Matthew. Mm -hmm. And he tries to give him, like, backhanded advice Mm -hmm. about basically own up to what you did. Mm Mm-hmm. Talk to your mom about it and then like move on with your life. Right. But he doesn't actually sit him down and like really talk to him about it, mm-hmm. which seems very ungem like. So I'm assuming, like I said, it's that silent brother. Right. Layers that are kind of stopping him from doing that. But listen, Cassandra Claire. Mm-hmm. Listen to me. Personally. <laughs> I think she's Be listening. nice to Matthew. <laughs> Be nice to him. We love him. He's our baby. Let him be happy. Girl. Because honestly, I am like, I, I'm probably going to get some haterade. I don't care. Mm-hmm. I want Matthew and Cordelia to be together. Okay. I, because. I too. Me too. 100% me too. Yeah. I'd be okay. With James, it's like. I'd be okay with Matthew being with anyone. I just want him happy. Like, I, I would right. take Lucy. I would take. See, I'm not into the Lucy. I don't think that's a. It probably will be because that's how shit plays out in books well, or whatever. Did, yeah, like he apparently he's had a crush on her forever. But I think he's now moving on to Cordelia because like Lucy's been like, yeah, no, I'm not interested. Oh, oh wait, OK. So Matthew. <clears throat> so, yes, mm-hmm. I, I agree. Like. I just want Matthew to be happy, but I do actually really think that Matthew and Cordelia would be a nice pairing. So here's the thing. I don't want Cordelia obviously has issues with her dad and stuff mm-hmm. that she they're just coming to light with her. Right. I don't want her to be with Matthew if Matthew doesn't get the help that he needs to get. Mm-hmm. Let me like. Yeah. Matthew needs to work on Matthew. Yes. Before anything else can happen. A hundred percent. But exactly. And I don't I wouldn't want anybody to be whatever anyway but I think with James it's like he and Grace broke off the engagement with him Mm -hmm. and took the bracelet back Mm -hmm. right 
and then he was free to like be his own person or whatever and I feel like he just didn't which obviously it's hard to Cordelia's had we're in her mind Mm -hmm. because we get to be a POV character and she's had like years to develop these feelings for him Mm -hmm. so it's probably a little bit easier for us to like but like, okay, well, she really loves him and he's kind of like not reciprocating and like Right, because we only like, get such short amounts of time with him in the real him when he remembers uh-huh. being young and having a fever and Cordelia being so kind and he's been in love with her forever, but like it's been But hidden. not he couldn't remember he was in love with her. So right. he's being dodgy about it. Yeah. And I think that's why like and we get to be with Matthew as Matthew is Matthew because mm-hmm. he's not under some spell and it's like okay he there's little things that I think Matthew actually cares about in the world yeah like I think he cares about his friends like I think he loves his mom like mm-hmm. but those things are kind of embedded in his life yeah and Cordelia is a new person to him right so for him to be able to like open that up to somebody that's new in his life is huge for him right I think yeah without him even realizing it Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, I love Matthew. And so I will share with you one of the crackpot theories. Um, It was – I was watching um, a YouTube video. I believe it was my favorite YA, I think it was. But she was talking about um, fan theories around Matthew. And now we have some information. We know that five Shadowhunters are going to die – in I believe this next book. Um, and like we know that like some like it's going to she's Cassie has said that this trilogy is going to be the saddest of all of the trilogies. And I'm like, <laughs> after what you did to Livia about Blackthorn, like I can't I don't know if I can like, handle it. Yeah. It, there's a meme I have going. What? On Instagram for her. Yeah. That one I sent you earlier today. Dude, but like you, you did Livia that dirty and then Robert immediately after. And I did. And then the book just ended. It just ended Robin. (laughs) Anyway. (laughs) So she, it's supposed to be really sad. So there's, there's theories because you know that how they have the tarot decks that are commissioned from Uh. Cassie. So they're kind of, canon right because like she specifically commissions them so when they're when they show up like you can get clues from them well apparently Matthew's card he didn't have runes on him and then they changed it and put runes on him later after people started noticing so crackpot theory is that Matthew either gets his mark stripped because of what he did to Charlotte, like people find out or some shit happens or he got turned into a vampire or a werewolf. Okay. Which is interesting. Now the, the chick that I watched her, she kind of elaborated on the werewolf one because of something that was said in the, uh, last half of the mortal instruments series talking about the Praetor lupus and how the Praetor lupus are like prohibitionists. Basically they don't drink or do drugs or do any, anything like that. Whereas back in TID days, we knew Woolsey Scott was like, 
he was like a connoisseur of like booze and fine stuff and you know all that stuff so we know at some point the praetor lupus has changed over the last hundred years and became this like non-drinking straight edge yeah exactly they, they did permanent x's on their hands um so the theory is that Matthew became a werewolf and through becoming a werewolf got sober and then like rose through the ranks of the Praetor Lupus and he's the one that changed it. Okay. So I don't mind that theory because it means that Matthew's still alive and he has a chance at happiness. (laughs) Cause like, I don't, it's crazy. I can't handle it if he dies. No, I remember reading we're spoiling everywhere. We're, yeah, we're, we're talking about everything. It's fine. Okay. I remember reading Lady Midnight, the last one. Queen of Air and Darkness. Yes. Yeah. Queen of Air and Darkness is the last mm-hmm. one. Literally screaming. If you kill Mark Blackthorn, <laughs> I will never fucking forgive you. Like out loud. Out of no record, and I was like, bitch, back up. I will literally never forgive you. So I have those same feelings towards Matthew. Which is so funny because Mark, like, I like Mark as a character just fine, but like I don't have the connection with him that you do, which I I love and I love like the way that you react to Mark content and just like (laughs) he is my everything. Like it's I so will funny. literally never talk to you again. <laughs> oh, it's great. So, Matthew is my new mark. Yeah, Matt- Matthew is my chain of gold mark. Matthew is just so precious. And I honestly believe that if I had not read his Ghost of the Shadow Market story, I would not have such a deep connection with him. Because I agree. In that, even though it was a short story, we got the before Matthew like really like a lot like we really got to see inside his brain and see how happy and wonderful he was I just well and then voice actor Mm -hmm. like it was just like gold like it was so good Mm -hmm. it was magical it was a moment yes he did such a good job portraying mark like mark (laughs) got him on the brain matthew it was it was amazing and that that story really like makes you it makes or breaks you and it's like either you're going to be a matthew stan for life or you're just never going to yeah so yeah i don't know about that i haven't really obviously i haven't got a chance to research theories or anything Mm -hmm. because i literally just finished it today so not knowing anything off that, I would just assume he is going to keep kind of being crusty, musty, whatever. And knowing how these books usually go, Lucy's probably going to be the one that's like, hey, motherfucker, I told you, snap out of it. Yeah. And then they're going to fall in love and they're going to end up together. Like, really? that's the typical, like, what's probably going to happen. I don't think that at all. I think I, I'll talk about Lucy when we get to Lucy, but. Because she's got a very interesting storyline and tra- trajectory yeah. right now. Um, I think because it's a second book in a trilogy, I think just Matthew is going to be tortured beyond yep. anything that 
I will feel is appropriate. <laughs> right. I agree. The entire book. Like, I don't think he's going to get let up. I think it's going to be just pushing him down into the gutter the entire book, and it's going to break my fucking heart. Right. Well, and then getting Thomas. We talked about Christopher already. Mm-hmm. Thomas, I kind of think is this. I get Alec vibes from Thomas. Mm-hmm. Okay. Just like the way he looks and the way he acts, and he's kind of like the level-headed, like mm-hmm. keeps everybody. Like I know that like James is the quote leader, but like is he really? I don't. Thomas is don't the know. adult in the room. Exactly, yeah. which to me is more like the le- you know I don't know. Yeah, it, Alec vibes. And it's so interesting because like he was like really small in Ghost of the Shadow or uh, Shadowhunter Academy. I think that was the story we got uh-huh. that in. Um, but like, yeah, he was like really small and like meek and kind of like quiet and just, Hey, I'm over here, you know? And then like, he got all huge and jacked and, but he still has the the personality and the attitude of someone who is really small. So it makes him really endearing and like sweet, but he's also just super mature for his age. Like he, he definitely doesn't deal with the petty shit like the rest of them do. Uh Uh-huh. Well, and oh my God, they were like recapping in this last like couple chapters, Mm -hmm. maybe the last chapter. I think it might have been. So at the end of Chain of Gold, Mm -hmm. they're at the engagement party. Okay. And um, Alistair's coming over to Thomas because he's just like, okay, well, I just broke it off with my like dickhead beau. Like, what's up? Right. Boy. Right. He's like, he's like, well, you know, just broke up with fucking Charles again because they're Ross and Rachel of this group. Right. <sighs> Whatever. How you do it. Like super Speaking toxic relationship. <laughs> yeah. So then right. he comes over and he's trying to like whatever. And Matthew is like, no. And Thomas is like, dude, like we're not children. Like mm-hmm. move on. Give him a chance. And Matthew's just like, no. You know what this motherfucker said? And he said it. With lot, I think he recalled it and said it with a lot more acidity, like to right. it than what actually happened. Because in Matthew's mind, if Alistair wouldn't have been such a giant dickhead, yes, and bullied him, what happened to Charlotte would not have happened to Charlotte. Exactly, it was his fault. Yeah, in his head, like he. I think I think he that Matthew knows that he's events. the one that did yeah. it. And I don't think he's blaming Alistair, but he's like, if you would have never put these ideas in my head, I wouldn't have acted on them. And so he's like extra. And I was listening to that in the car and I was like, oh my God. And the way Thomas reacts, I was like, oh, oh damn. Okay. Wow. Well, she just buttered that like toast and like all four corners, dude. I was like, damn. Yeah. Because I, when you were saying that the first time before I made you repeat yourself, because I had forgotten that part about, and especially about what Alistair had said about Sophie. Uh-huh. And how. Basically, he was saying that, like, Sophie was so ugly. Right. That he couldn't be with her. And, like, if, I don't remember all the, like, niche stuff about the Infernal Devices, mm-hmm. but I remember we were sitting around talking about how. He kept ordering the stuff from the kitchen for Sophie because he wanted to see her. Oh, yeah, Gideon. Yeah, because he's a fucking idiot because he's a lightweight. Right. And he so can't it's like he obviously, romance. like, he is, like, deeply in love with her. So yeah. that is so, like, how fucking dare you? Well, and also, Sophie is the sweetest human being on the planet. 
Well, and the worst part about it is I was I went into the book and I, and I was literally like, fuck, Alistair's going to be in this book. I don't like right. him. Like, I hate him. And then as the book goes on, it's like, OK, he's probably lashing out because right, you start to understand him a little bit. Why he's doing this and everything. Not that it's excusable. No. But you at least get his like kind of token on it or whatever. Right, but- and he almost redeems himself at the end of the book. And then at the last minute. Mm-hmm. Cassandra Clare's just like, bloop, yep. let's turn this back on and actually really remember what happened. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, dude. Yeah, like, like she's like, oh, yeah, give him a redemption arc. But, oh, wait, no, he actually has a long way to go before he can achieve that redemption. It's not going to be so easy for you, buddy. Uh-huh. Yeah. And so I think in Chain of Iron, he's going to work up to getting it mm-hmm. back. I think that Lucy walking out, at the end and seeing him cry mm-hmm. is that footstep into the rest, like the middle meat or whatever of mm-hmm. his redemption arc. Yeah. Because she was able to see that like raw emotion on him and it really affected her because she said it made her think of seeing Will cry when his dad died. It was the first time she'd ever seen like mm-hmm. an adult cry or an adult man. I don't know if it was a male or just adult. Mm-hmm. And so like she had those strong feelings. She reacted to it strongly as well. Yeah. Yeah, I think Alistair's going to have an interesting... Because I hated... I despised him with every fiber of my being. And then Cassandra Clare made him relatable. Uh Uh-huh. And that's one thing that I love so much about books is you do not have to agree with everything a character does to still love them because you get to understand them. And it's like, yeah, Yeah. people don't make all the right decisions all the time. But, like, you still love them anyways. And Alistair's character is so interesting. I want to see what happens with him. I want him... Listen, if there is an Edwardian equivalent for, like, revenge body, uh, hashtag Khloe Kardashian, like, I want Alistair to get it. Like, I want him to, like do something or like achieve like just something to just rub in Charles face. Like I want Charles to be treated like the scum on the bottom of your shoe. And I want him to feel about two millimeters tall. Like, dude, I like, okay. I guess that's a good segue into Charles. We talked about this briefly. (laughs) Yeah. I do not understand how Charlotte and Henry raised a person that acts like that unless both of them were too involved in their work to really notice that like shift happening in him. Yeah. I don't know. And I think some people are just, what is it? Nature versus nurture. That's Mm -hmm. always the argument, right? Mm -hmm. I think some people are just tuned that way, I Mm -hmm. guess. Like you want things other people, you know, different from other people but I do not see them raising somebody like that like him toasting himself constantly right and like yeah and like trying to take over and be like well I'm important like whatever right and I wonder if any of that like I wonder if we saw what it was like for him at school because Charlotte was the first female consul Mm -hmm. I can imagine that that was hard for him and having to constantly prove his worth um, but he has not matured out of that behavior. <laughs> well, that, and I think also, so he's older. Mm-hmm. 
But I think he was living in Matthew's shadow often because he's so likable. Right. Because Matthew is the entertainer. Everybody loves Matthew. He's bubbly. He's the center of attention. You know, he's all that and above. He's literally the best of Henry and Charlotte. Exactly. So he's kind of has to live in that shadow. And I think he's. I think in his the other thing that's kind of like sad about his character is I think in his head he thinks he's doing the right thing. Who, Charles? Mm-hmm. So it's like he's found this way to like arrange this with Ariadne. Mm-hmm. Who has they can have basically like a a fake marriage. Yeah. And they've probably been able to figure that out. And he was able to I don't know if it was luck. Or what happened, but he was able to arrange that. I don't know if it was like he he was able to arrange it knowing something beforehand or if he just got lucky. I Okay, so I think there was a breakdown of communication between Ariadne and Charles. Because I think Charles went into this knowing that Ariadne and Anna had a thing going on and being like, perfect we will be each other's beards this is how it's gonna go but when Ariadne decided that she was getting engaged didn't she tell Anna that she was gonna be faithful to her husband well she was just like like look like let's have fun and enjoy ourselves but I want to be a mother like that means more like having kids and being a mother means more to anything else to me in my entire life I'm getting married like this is what I'm gonna do I'll just be unhappy like right And like, I won't have that part of my, like, I won't have love for my relationship, but I'll have love for my children. But but she just kind of, she was the one that said like her and Anna could do like their thing now. But like once she got uh married, then like they're not going to be together anymore. Right. I'll just be miserable in love. Right. But I'll have love for my kids. So I feel like she did not like get the memo from Charles because Charles would be like, whoa, 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 whoa. No, like I got a boyfriend. (laughs) It's cool. <laughs> yeah. We're good. We're good. <laughs> like, <sighs> all you need is Alistair and Anna to get to get married, and then you guys live together, and then it's all fine. It's good. You have a compound. Yeah. Although, I just, I wonder, I guess Alec is still having a hard time in the mortal instruments, because mm-hmm. Shadowhunters are a little more liberal than mm-hmm. humans are at this time. Which, yeah. Humans? I don't, mundane. Yeah, mundane. Oh, I said humans. <laughs> But I still don't think they're that liberal because I think Alec was still having issues. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, I don't think I think that. And this is just from like what I know of history and stuff in terms of like if we're going to I think the Shadowhunters take cues from the mortal world, um, from the mundane world. Um, But I think back then it wasn't so much. It was very much like a a social circle of like if you're at a party and this is like kind of like the hell ruel, right? Like it's like no one just no one's going to talk about it. So like what happens here stays here kind of a situation. Mm-hmm. I think there was more of that like code of honor of like yeah, when people go to let loose, like n- no one cares what you do. It's just kind of yeah, you're right. going to go do your thing as long as you're not walking down the street together. <sighs> It was right. more about, like, appearances in society versus no one really cared what you did in your private life. Right. Well, and I hope for, I don't know, I'm on the fence because I really was getting that Alistair, like, redemption piece. Mm-hmm. 
And then at the end, she just reminded me why I don't like, like really reminded me why I don't right. like him. So I think he's going to have a hard time. Like I think I already said yeah. that. And then Lucy's going to help him out. That's my. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. um, we, I guess we'll hit Lucy and then hit Cordelia. Yeah. Okay. And then we have to make our notes about Tessa that we had made earlier. Yes. Yes. So we'll, we'll run through this pretty quick. Okay. Lucy. Lucy. Lucy and Jesse. And Lucy's a bamf. Like, she was kind of like a sleeper, this book in Chain of Gold. Yeah. She was kind of like, you were like, okay, yeah, she's like kind of like this little kid who likes to write fantasy and, like, the wonderful Cordelia and, you know, what was it called? I can't remember. I should, but I don't. Yeah, it's something. Anyway. But she was kind of, like, presented as very youthful. Like, we knew she's the youngest in the group, but she was not as mature as the rest of them, I think. Um, And so you were kind of like, yeah, yeah, Lucy's the little sister. And you kind of, like, put her in that box. But then, like, she comes out with this, like, massive ability to control ghosts. So um, she has this amazing ability to just be like... Hey, ghosts, come do my bidding. And they fucking have to. Like, it's not even like she can request. No. Like, hey, could you help me out here? They have to do what she, like, she's controlling right. them. I was like, oh, I'm sorry. Is she a mortal instrument? What the fuck? Like, how is this? <laughs> no one has been this powerful. That's insane. And, you know, because uh-huh. everything's so focused on James and his flashy powers. And Lucy's over here, like, straight up God tier, just doing what she wants, running her army of the dead. Like, <laughs> I'm, I'm surprised she hasn't gone to Tessa about it, honestly. Me too. I'm surprised Tessa was not in this more. Well, so because... James went to his parents and they had Jim basically like Voldemort. No, Snape. Snape him. Mm-hmm. Well, he's trying to teach him oculumency. Yeah, pretty much. Like control your powers, yeah. whatever. Um, And then he like reached out to like Jim throughout the book. Mm-hmm. So I'm surprised that she just didn't. Which obviously it's a new. She just found out about yeah. it. It's not like something she's lived with for a while. But I just I feel like she would have but also like went to what her kind of relationship does Tessa have with their kids? Because I feel like most of the interactions are with Will and the children. Mm-hmm. And we don't get a lot of Tessa. And I'm like, what kind of mom was she? Because she doesn't seem like she's all that involved in their lives. Like they don't talk about her other than like James saying that, like he really loves his mom and she's an awesome person. And then like super nice. Like, yeah, we know she's well, fucking Tessa. Like, like <laughs> Lucy was saying like, there's a scene at, I think it's also at, it has, it's surrounding the engagement. Mm-hmm. It's basically everybody's. So Lucy knows about the fake arrangement between Cordelia and James. Mm-hmm. So she knows, and so do um, Thomas, Christopher, and Matthew. Knows what? And Lucy. About, like, basically that the arrangement between Cordelia and James is, like, a fake arrangement. I thought only Matthew knew. No, so they told the Mary Thieves, and they all decided to just, like, they didn't tell Anna. Okay. But they told Christopher, Thomas, and Matthew, no. 
Matthew's the only one that really, really knows. Like okay. all the nitty gritty details. Okay. But Lucy knows and everybody knows. So th- th- she's basically able to scope out the room like knowing that James and Cordelia know that it's not real. Mm-hmm. And then being able to gauge the like expression. So she's basically lamenting like everybody like I really want this to happen. Everybody looks so happy. Mm-hmm. Um, my dad looks happy. Uh, Cordelia's mom looks happy. Like I would be super happy if I knew. Like I'm not happy because I know it's not real. Right. But if I didn't like okay. I almost wish that I didn't know so I could be happy. But then she notices Tessa looks off. Okay. And so she's basically saying, like, Tessa's face, like, Tessa her knows mom's face up. isn't, like, she knows something's, like, not all aces. Mm-hmm. And so, but she's able, she's, like, she spent so long, like, studying her mom's looks that she was able to tell how she felt differently. Like, nobody else in the room probably could have, like, saw that it was off yeah. except me because I know so much about her or Will or, you know, whatever. Right. Which I, that doesn't mean that she was super involved, but at least but that her kids think of her endearingly. And that also might make sense that, like, the first book was just, like, we need to make sure that people know that this is not a sequel specifically to TID following our beloved characters. Like, there needed to be, a, like, a, some separation. So I wonder uh-huh. if Tessa is going to play a larger role in book two. I think she will. That's kind of what I was. Because it would make sense that Tessa and Magnus would be working together on this something's going on, something's amiss. Because, like, of course Magnus is going to go to Tessa. I think between the – and I could be – I've really, like, been reading all over the place. Because especially Ghost of the Shadow Market expands the entire, like, series. But I feel like in – what I'm thinking happens is she – Tessa doesn't really do – any like quote warlock training mm-hmm. until after world war two right world war one world war two world war two because she's at with um katarina loss yeah. and their nurses and she's saying basically she has to defer to katarina all the time because katarina has like way more warlock skills right. than she does right because tessa so was she- basically just like working out her shadow hunter skills uh huh. Exactly, and I think that was like right after like Will. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because Will. So Will she just died kind of, in. I want to say it was like thirty eight or something, like nineteen thirty eight. Uh-huh. So it was like right before World War World War Two, and that's when she like kind of like went off the deep end and was like, "I'm gonna run away and join the army." Like. <laughs> uh huh. So yeah. Which I don't think she joined the army. I think she just worked at a hospital. I know. I was just because she was helping. Yeah. People and like that were getting bombed or whatever. Yeah. Which leads us to, do we cover, oh, we, I guess we need to cover Cordelia. Oh yeah. Okay. So Cordelia, I really, I think she's pretty fleshed out. I really like Cordelia as a character. I think she's really interesting. I want to give her more to do than love James. I feel like she's too good of a character and too interesting of a character for her main plot to be getting the guy she loves to see her. And I feel like so we're following we're falling a little bit into this. Like we got a little bit of like, I've got to save my family and figure out what's going on with my dad. But like it kind of got railroaded by the fact that like, I love James every page. <laughs> so I can't remember which character it is. 
and I, th- I think it might be Katarina Loss, but I could be very incorrect. Okay. But somebody in Ghosts of the Shadow Market is talking to Jim mm-hmm. and brings up Cordelia. Like, I, because, like, okay. I am so old that I know one of your ancestors, mm. Cordelia Carstairs. She's such a badass. Mm. So she, there has to be more. Yeah. Yeah. And I think we're going to get it. I, I, I do think that she's going to prove her own, like, you know, awesome story. And I, I do really think that Cassie knows what the audience wants and knows that, that there's got to be something other than her relationship with James as like, she has to play an integral part in whatever this next war is. Well, and if you look at her writing, I mean, Ghost of the Shadow Market was in like Jim's point of mm-hmm. view, basically. And obviously Tales from the Shadow Hunter Academy was Simon. Right. But those are like her kind of one offs. Mm-hmm. But in each of her like big three series, the main thing is strong female lead. Yeah. We had Tessa. We had Emma. We had Clary. Like it has to be Cordelia. Yeah. Which it's been, I think this book has been the best, like the largest mix mm-hmm. of leading characters probably yeah yeah I I, de- I definitely feel like the plot and the story is more evenly dispersed throughout mm-hmm. the ensemble um well because it's like you knew Julian was a main character right. but the books were about Emma right right and Julian was but I did really enjoy the fact that like Emma's search for her parents was her primary motivation and Julian's yep you know, need to keep his family safe was his primary motivation. Their primary motivation wasn't finding a way to be together. I feel like right now, Cordelia's primary motivation isn't fleshed out. And I'm hoping that we get a little more of that. And I think because Elias is coming back, her dad's coming to town I think uh-huh. we're going to get more of that. And so she can kind of divert a little further away from James. And that just might be because James isn't everything to me right now. But that might change. Because. Well, and who knows? I mean, it's also, I guess it's a. Tessa's not a. Was never. A normal quote. Girl no. for her age. No. She never acted like it. She wasn't. No, she was always very mature and like studious and very liberal. Yeah, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Like she was not. She didn't have that same whatever. I think Cordelia was raised traditional. Yeah. As far as like, oh, your main job in life is to find a husband. Your main goal is to make a good match. Your main thing is like I and I think that might be the difference. Mm -hmm. So like her thing with James makes sense for the time period. Right. But I do hope for more for her. Yeah. And I think that we'll get it in Chain of Iron. I think it's still going to be intertwined with the plot, mm-hmm. the main plot line of Tatiana and the bracelet and Belial. I yeah. think it's still going to be intertwined with James. But I think she'll still like prove herself yeah. to be. I agree. The Yeah. And it's not that I don't think that she has other stuff. I just want more of it. You know what I mean? Exactly. Yeah, it's not. And also, I've only read this book once. So, like, I usually have to read these books at least twice before I can make a solid, like, this is exactly how I feel. Because things change. But. Of course. um, 
Well, yeah. and I think the the last part that brings us to is Tessa's relationship with her kids and mm-hmm. her. So I hope there's something happens in either Chain of Iron or the following subsequent book that explains Tessa's complete ghosting of her entire family. Yeah. I understand it's painful. I understand it would be painful to watch Will die, obviously. But at that point, as far as we know, her kids were still alive. Like, yes, Will died. But you had Lucy and James. And their children, assuming. And their children, like, exactly. Like, couldn't you, like, be there for them? Like, in some way, shape, or form or something where it's like you're living in a crappy one bedroom, like, one studio apartment. Right. And, like, in the middle of London that's getting bombed. Like, I just don't. Well, and... And Robin and I had this conversation via text. (laughs) Um, And we both understand that the the running explanation here is that Tessa was so heartbroken by by having to live in a world without Will that she just couldn't take it. And she had to separate herself from the rest of, you know, her family because she just couldn't take the heartbreak of watching the same thing happen to them right so that's the explanation I understand that that's an explanation I don't think it's good enough for Tessa I feel like Tessa is mature enough and we've always seen her as like this wise person she's known the whole time she's been with Will that she's immortal and he's mortal and he's gonna die. She has prepared herself for years and years and years. What I can't seem to match up with her character is why she would sacrifice years, decades of memories with her children that she could carry with her for the rest of her life to, like she's sacrificing that to leave early and save herself heartache, except she's still heartbroken. Like she just doesn't want to watch them die. It's like, okay, well, you know that they're going to die. You're going to hear about when they die. You're still going to feel the same. Like, why would you give up possibly 40 years of memories with your, with your adult children before they die? Like, it seems it seems very short sighted for Tessa. I don't know. That's why I don't like it. But I feel like in the story I'm thinking of, it's called a deeper love. It's that that's the story uh-huh. in Ghost of the Shadow Market. I feel like they mention that her kids were like safe in America, mm-hmm. and she just was gonna stay there and like have a purpose. I guess. Yeah. But but we do know from from other works that she like after her kids were gone, she didn't keep up with the Herondale line at all. Uh-huh. Until Jim wanted her to help find Kit. Right. Yeah, like so well, she could have been in Stephen Herondale's life, she could have been in Imogen's life, she could have mm-hmm. stayed within the Shadowhunter culture. And been with her descendants. I mean, and I understand, like, at some point you might not want to because you maybe you don't feel the personal connection if you're not going to, like, 
if you're going to become like the distant aunt, uh-huh. you know, like, like I get that, but I don't know. I mean, imagine how things might've played out differently mm-hmm. if she was able to be there for Imogen when she lost her husband right. and Steven. Right. I can't remember her husband's name. I'm sorry. I think, it was, but was it Marcus? It, I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. But she would have been such, cause she legit knows how you feel. Right. And she could have been there to help her even. So we get this really short story in, again, sorry, goes to the shadow market. I just, it ranges through all the it connects decades everything. and you get yeah. stuff in between it, like really arcs well, where you're in Celine Herondale's point of view and you realize why she did what she did. And, and your entire opinion of her changes. And it's like, if I could just like, if, if she could have just talked to her, I don't know. Yeah. She had nobody in her life because she didn't even like Valentine. Right. I don't know. I think Tessa could have done very well. For, and you know what? Maybe she realizes that, which is why she was also so like, I got to make things right. Mm-hmm. I need to help Kit. I need yeah. to do this. And it, But it's, it is a little stingy. I hope beyond hope that she changes her way of thinking towards mm-hmm. that with Jim and her new line of heirs I agree and I also it's important to note that most of this like information about Tessa and her kids and all of that is all alluded to nothing's spelled out anywhere so we really don't have the full picture of how involved she was in their lives but from what we have it doesn't paint that great of a picture like it doesn't I hope yeah yeah. but like I hope that it's different but it would be interesting to see how that plays out with is it me I hope we get some sort of like resolution yeah of the reasoning really why right in these two books because what we've heard so far is it's just she's trying to find a will to live after her husband died like she's trying to like right and I just knowing Tessa and how, what kind of characters she's and how she's written and like she knows that she has Jim there still, yeah. and sh- they visit every year. Right. It just doesn't seem like, like I, I eh. understand being heartbroken and maybe it taking you a while to like get over it. Like I totally get yeah. that and having just be arranged for everybody you love to be vampires and then you could all live Fuck together. That's what I'm saying, man. Just use your critical thinking skills right. here. There are options. <sighs> anyway. I don't know how much this was about. Sorry, go ahead. No. You were going to say something else about Tessa. No, you're right. No, I wasn't going to say. I, but I, you're right. I don't know how much of this was about Chain of Iron. It was mostly about <laughs> Chain of Gold. Dishing about Chain of Gold. <laughs> we just needed to. But I, I just needed to get it out. I think Chain of Iron is going to be your typical second book in the trilogy, Cassandra Clare novel. There's going to be a lot of angst, a lot of really frustrating crap. These characters are going to go through it. it Lots of cliffhangers. There's going to, I 100% believe she is going to have a massive cliffhanger at the end of this book. I feel like it's definitely going to be like a Lord of Shadows. Wait. Lady Midnight? Lady Midnight. Was Lady Midnight first or second? 
I feel like Lady Midnight was first. And then Lord of Shadows was second, right? Yeah, let me just Google it. <laughs> I, For the life of me, I can never remember the order of those two. Book two, yeah. Book two is Lord, Lord of, of Shadows. Shadows. Okay, yeah. So yeah. the end of Lord of Shadows, where we just, literally the biggest thing that has ever happened in a Cassandra Clare book happened. <laughs> and we just yeah, kind of. I agree. We just went, oh my God. I think it's going to be like that. I think someone major is either going to be really badly hurt or die. And uh-huh. we're going to suffer. And then we're going to suffer for like 18 months before we get the next book. <laughs> And then we're going to get the next book and we're going to suffer some more. Yeah. And then we'll get the wicked powers and fucking hell. <sighs> Kitty is life. Fool me. Yes. All right. Well, that was a long bonus episode, but thanks for listening to us ramble. I like it. Give us your feedback. Do you like this? Is this something we should like? Yeah. Do you pop in more? Yeah, like having short, just kind of like unstructured shadow hunter chat time. Although I don't know if an hour and 30 minutes is short, but that's fair. That's cool. That's fair. That's cool. <laughs> All right. And thanks for putting up with my background noise. This was, was very off the cuff. Yeah. Impromptu. So we don't have the normal, you know, studio time. So I appreciate. Yeah, Absolutely. All right, well, tune in in a couple of days on Tuesday for episode 60, where we will be wrapping up City of Glass. City of Glass. Yeah. In its entirety. Entirety. Amanda usually says something here, but... For behind-the-scenes content and the latest updates, check us out on Instagram at Downloaded Podcast. We'll see you next time. Bye! Bye.